0: Thank you for joining this ACB Diabetics in Action call. Established in 2005, ACBDA is a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Our primary mission is to educate and support individuals living with diabetes and vision loss, parents and caregivers. If you would like more information about ACBDA, please send an email to acbdaorg at gmail.com. Our website is www.acbda.org. If you'd like to become a member, dues are $10 annually visit our membership page and website at www.acbda.org. Please keep in mind that we are not medical professionals and that this call is strictly for informational purposes and is based on our members' and friends' personal experiences. You should consult with your medical team before making any changes to your diabetes care regime. Again, thank you for joining us. Is uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> My name is Teresa Braden, I am the co-chair for the Educational Planning Committee, and I would like to welcome everyone tonight for coming. Thank you, Allison, for being our host, and a special welcome to Ann Williams. She's going to be speaking to us tonight about foot care with vision loss. Um, So we're really excited to hear about this topic. Anne, um, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Okay. Well, uh, first of all, can everybody hear me all right? Yes, we can. Okay. All right. Um, So um, going back a few decades ago, um, I worked at Cleveland Sight Center for about 10 years, coordinating a program for people who had have diabetes and either visual impairment, meaning low vision, or, or blindness, low, no vision um, or no useful vision. And during that period of time, um, we, I, I gathered together a lot of adaptations for a lot of areas of diabetes care and there really wasn't much available for adapting foot care. And it's true that a lot of the standard foot care can be done with or without sight. But the big thing that I always heard that people said was, if you have diabetes, um, and you have vision loss, you need to have other people check your feet. And after I'd been at it for a while, I thought, you know, I don't think that that's necessarily so. We have adaptations for everything else in life. We can develop adaptations for foot care. So during the time that I was at Cleveland Sight Center, I worked on thinking through how people with vision loss can can check their own feet. Now, at a certain point, I left that particular job and I worked on a PhD. When, When I started at at Cleveland Sight Center, I already had a master's. And by the way, I'm a nurse. And um, when I started this, I was not certified as a specialist, but I soon became certified as what what was then called certified diabetes educator. Now it's called certified diabetes care and education specialist. Um, But anyway, after I'd worked at Cleveland Sight Center for a while, I left, I worked on a PhD, that took me much much longer than was reasonable and any of you who maybe have done any similar kind of process realize when you're a full adult and you're living life and there's a lot of other responsibilities it can take a really long time what would have taken you a short time in school earlier can take a really long time that happened to me but i did eventually finish my phd and i started working at case western reserve university as research faculty and i didn't know that anybody would be all that interested in my little foot care adaptation that i had worked out but um when i mentioned it to my research advisor she said oh that's so interesting nobody else has ever done anything like this that i'm aware of and she had reviewed for the nih for you know a good 10 15 years and so when she said nobody else has done this you can believe it you know that there was nobody she knew of anyway who had done it so i put in for a small research grant and i got it and then i put in for a slightly larger research grant and i got it and so i did the first and as far as i know only research project looking at how people with diabetes and visual impairment can check their own feet non-visually so today what i want to go over with you first is a kind of a review of standard foot care for people with diabetes and then i want to go through how you can check your feet non-visually and I did create a, um, I did create a video that um, the soundtrack stands alone. So somebody who cannot see what's on the screen, there's interesting things on the screen for people who do see it, but for somebody who doesn't see it, the soundtrack alone will be enough to understand what's happening. Um, and so I have that video with me tonight. But before we launch into any of these areas, I would like to hear from you. any of you who want to speak up. Are there things you particularly want to hear about, about foot care for people with diabetes tonight? Are there questions you have, things you've always wished you could
3: ask someone? I, I have a question, please. Yes. My name is Mary and I'm from Lincoln, Nebraska. Regarding calluses on our feet, to what extent do we need to start worrying about them? I mean, you know, after hot showers, we've been told forever to um, use the pad, you know, the, um, oh, the manicure pad, whatever it's called, uh, Mm -hmm. roughen it up and then smooth it out. But, But to what extent do we, you know, need to worry about those?
2: Really good question. And I will cover that. Thank you for asking it. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, And we'll cover that when we go through keeping your feet clean. We'll also talk about calluses. And if I get lunched into something else, pull me back, Mary. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. Anybody? (laughs) Other questions? Yes.
1: Yes. This is Teresa. Um, I'd like to know more about the dry skin aspect i have lots of problems with that and would like some ideas on how to keep your skin moisturized and not dry out so much
2: okay very good question you're you're hitting some of the high points of things that people really need to know so thank you for asking it teresa any other questions
4: Yes, this is Shirley. I have something that's just so maybe you might consider a little off topic, but I think it's pretty similar. Um, and by the way, I've, I remember you from uh, other things in Ohio, so it's good to hear you again. Yeah. Um, you know, you you concentrate a lot on foot care, which is great, but um, there's nobody that really specializes in hand care, your cuticles and things of that nature. And there are a lot of similarities there, I think. And I, for one, have a lot of trouble like with hang nails on my um, fingers and things like that. And, and I know you're mainly talking about foot care, but to me, they're pretty closely related. So I don't know if you'd be willing to speak at all on that or not. Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll briefly mention it. Um, I, a lot of the things that you do for foot care, you also do for hand care, as you rightly guessed. Um, but I will mention some of the things that I know of. Now, I see Jane Perry's hand up, and I see somebody else in the 619 area code. So Jane first, and then Kristen 619 area code.
4: Thank you. This is Jane. I'll be real brief. My question is regarding to shoe sizes. How do you find the proper shoe size, the correct shoe size to wear? I have a syndrome of my eye disease. I was born an extra toe, which I had removed. So one foot is wider than the other. Okay. Good
2: question. Yeah. Um, okay, we will cover a little bit about shoe sizes when we talk about protecting your feet. Um, so, g- good question. Yeah. Okay, person in
5: yeah. 619. Yes, hi, this is Ginny. I'll go really quickly, too. Um, um, it's a big area of care. I am recently dealing with something that I can't rush into the doctor and say this is really important. I have um, cracky little buildup uh, between my toes. And I think I'm supposed, As I understand this when I checked with somebody, um, the cracks that come with athlete's foot are an entry point for, you know, bacteria. And so I have some, um, I guess, what is athlete's foot cream? If there's a brand you recommend, I'm going to start using it because I've noticed the buildup. And then just about the hands, one briefly about the hands. I recently had kind of a very disturbing case. My blood sugar was higher, but my cuticle came off. And I got a very bad infection called peronechia that nobody needs to know that. But it actually developed pus underneath the nail. It had to be drained. It was painless with lidocaine. I went to the emergency room, but what was a problem and a concern was how stubborn for me as a diabetic that infection was. And uh-huh. I think cuticle care is important. I mean, they had to throw all kinds of antibiotics at it. And so that's, that's all I have to say.
0: Okay. Okay. Good. Thank you, Jenny. So, Jan- uh, Anne, this is Tom. Yes. I just wanted to mention, you have to tell the story about when people are asking about um, moisturizing their feet with different things you have to tell the story about the, the client you talked about that you recommended to use peanut oil and they thought you said yeah. peanut peanut butter
3: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah i i was, go- I was gonna mention that one. yeah you gotta <laughs> yeah. tell that story it's a great story
2: yeah, it, was, it was actually yeah yeah yeah
0: okay yeah. yeah anyway i just had to put that in there it's great
2: okay now i'm gonna ask jeanette and then roberta and then we're gonna get going
4: Okay, Jeanette. I'd like you to speak a little bit about people with really sensitive skin and how to communicate to nurses who don't believe you can manage this stuff. Ah, and I've recently dealt like with that. You
2: as a visually impaired person? Or yes. Or you
4: in general,
2: nurses. In general,
4: believe- nurses who don't believe that we as visually impaired, impaired people can manage this stuff at all and refuse, yeah. and, and it affects things like surgeries and foot care and everything.
2: Okay, okay. I will do my best. I don't have all the answers to that, <laughs> but I will do my best on that one. Okay, and Roberta. Um, Thank you. I just wanted to make sure that we discuss
3: heels cracked heels and when to be particularly concerned or not concerned about cracks in our heels and i'm
2: talking about the margin between the horizontal surface that i bear
3: weight on and the vertical surface on the side of my foot so that in between space
2: okay so you're talking about like there's a there's a heavy callus there and it cracks at the back yeah, all the way around just minor cracks yeah. Like little fissures, not nothing yeah. I feel and nothing that you know, there's there doesn't seem to be anything open, but there seem to be these little fissures there that I don't know. Okay. Moves. Okay. I've never been will, concerned about them, talk but talk about, about that you. when we're talking right. about checking your feet. Um, and that that's going to go into how you know that that's going to come up when we're talking about the non-visual examination. All right. So there are a number of principles, general principles that apply to everybody who has diabetes, and that also apply to you. Um, and I have sent a, um, I have sent an email with an, a, an with a one sheet attachment that gives um, three general very reliable websites that you have a lot of information about foot care where you can just it for for those of you who have had diabetes a long time and you've previously had instruction in foot care a lot of it might be review and a little bit might be new but if you've never had thorough instruction in foot care you you might find a lot of it new um, and that's, you know, from the American Diabetes Association, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and the National Institutes of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases, which is part of National Institutes of Health. Each of those organizations has some information on their website for people with diabetes about foot care. And they all three pretty much cover a lot of the same material. But as is often the case in these kinds of things, each one covers it from a unique point of view, or maybe has a few extra things that the other ones don't have, or has a slightly different emphasis. So I I put all three on read as many or as few as you feel is useful to you. Um, They are not going to be really exciting. Because these are the organizations that put out the information that is well-established. On the other hand, they're going to be pretty darn reliable because they are working very hard to make sure that all the information they pass on to people with diabetes is evidence-based. So they're working to make sure that there's some research support for almost everything they do. Um, It's never going to be 100% because we're humans and we're fallible. Um, but um, it, they're, they're pretty darn good. And um, another organization that you might look at if you want a more international perspective is the International Diabetes Federation. But I didn't find a foot care sheet. I found a lot of information about how foot care is being taught in different countries around the world. Um, and that's kind of interesting to read because much as we wish we'd see improvement here in the united states there are lots of parts of the world where foot where where diabetes care is considerably less effective than it is in the u.s so i don't think we're number one but i also don't think we're last in line either we're somewhere in the middle um, in terms of how good we are about about diabetes care so the the principles fall into several categories on all of these handouts and the very first one is protect your feet number two is keep your feet really clean number three is check your feet regularly and then number four is seek help for anything out of the ordinary on your feet and I want to touch on each of these um, as we go along. So we're, we need to allow some time for each of them. So we're not going to you know, I could spend an hour on each of these, but we're not going to do that tonight. <laughs> um, I'm sure you're probably glad you'll get to bed sooner than that. Um, but um, we will touch on each of these areas and then you'll be able to find out more from some of these other resources. So when we talk about protecting feet, one of the things we think that you need to do is always wear something on your feet when you are up and walking. And that something on your feet needs to be more than a pair of socks. You want to be sure that if you're walking, Inside your home, which is where a lot of people like to walk barefoot, that if you step on something, it won't go right through and puncture your foot. So, you know, if you're if you have socks only, people often when I would say to them when when I was doing active diabetes teaching all the time, I would say, always wear something on your feet. And people say, Oh yeah, I do. I wear socks all the time. Well, that's really not enough. And just imagine, if you will, um, I happen to have dogs. And if one of my dogs has managed to chew apart one of their toys, and there is a piece of hard plastic that got left on the floor from chewing a toy apart, and I did have one who was a real chewer, and he did this. um, If I would step on one of those pieces of hard, shreds of hard plastic that he had chewed off, and I had socks only, It could go right through my socks and into my foot. Um, So this has not happened to me. Um, I have had some um, uh, one unusual incident of getting my foot punctured where I got up in the morning and I hadn't put any shoes on yet. And I was getting ready to give, oh, by the way, I have diabetes myself. I was getting ready to inject some insulin and my hands were a little shaky because I wasn't quite wide awake yet. And I dropped the syringe. And wouldn't you know, the syringe went needle down right into my foot. Um, Fortunately, needles are small. It bled a little. I I cleaned the wound and it healed without a problem. But you never know, you know, a wound like that can be an opening for an infection to happen. And that's the big reason we need to protect our feet. Now, um, somebody mentioned how I who was it who had the who had the infection alongside their um, toenail uh, under Ginny, Ginny. You mentioned how hard it was to heal that infection. That is not uncommon when people have diabetes. Diabetes does slow down our rate of healing. Part of it is that if we've had diabetes for a while, we probably have some amount of blood vessel damage and the circulation is slower. Part of it is that the diabetes itself, no matter how good your blood sugar control is, if it's going to be imperfect. Um, that's the nature of the beast when you have diabetes. And the times that you have higher blood sugar do slow down the healing. And so the longer we've had diabetes, kind of the slower the healing process gets. As people age in general, even if you don't have diabetes, your healing process is slow. So your experience that you had with this infection, this pussy infection that took a long time to heal, Jenny, it's not an unusual one. Um, I also had an infection once, I'd gotten a, um, I'd got, had a callus on the bottom of my foot, and that callus kind of pressed on the inside of my foot, and it wore a little ulcer into my foot, um, unbeknownst to me. And when my uh, podiatrist looked at it, she said, I think it's infected in there, and she took the callus off, and there was a little crater in the bottom of my foot. It took a long, long time for that to heal up. It wasn't very big, but it took a long time to heal because by then I'd had diabetes about 25 years. Um, so that's why we're, we want to be very, very cautious to prevent any wounds because once you have a wound, you have a chance of infection. So um, you asked, how can you make sure, now let me see Who was it who asked, how can you make sure your shoes fit really well? Uh, Jane, I think, asked that. Um, And the best thing of all is to get your feet measured every time you're going to buy new shoes. Now, if you buy a lot of shoes, and you already bought a pair of shoes last week, and you buy a different pair of shoes this week, okay, maybe you don't need to measure again this week. But um, I buy only one kind of shoe because my feet are have a, an unusual shape, and there's only one kind of shoe that fits me really well. I buy new shoes twi- uh, once a year, and so I get my feet measured every single time I go to buy new shoes. And I go to stores, that do measure my feet. And I buy shoes that I know are very sturdy, because I have to make them last a long time. Um, So, you know, if you aren't going to get them your feet measured every time you buy new shoes, if it's been more than three months, at least, then do get your feet measured, because our feet do change shape. And as we you know, as we age, um, everything in our bodies changes a little bit, and our feet can change a little bit too. And if you need a half a size larger than what you needed the last time you bought shoes, if you don't buy them in the right size, they're going to squeeze your feet and they can rub against your feet and they can create blisters, calluses, you know, and so forth. And also, just the squeezing your feet isn't good because it impairs the circulation. So very important, get your feet measured. You cannot tell without measuring your feet. What is the right size for your feet? I like getting my feet measured by people who are very knowledgeable and I've completely given up on cheap shoes. I don't buy cheap shoes because that's not good for me. I might qualify for diabetic shoes because I do have an unusual shaped foot. And so think about that. If you have a foot that is hard to fit, ask about whether you qualify for reimbursement for shoes for people with diabetes because you need special shoes. And that'll help bring the cost down for you. Um, So that's kind of about about check it about protecting your feet. Just always wear shoes and socks. One other quick mention on protecting your feet, and that is that if you do take baths or if you bathe your feet in a small tub of some kind, be sure you check the temperature of the water with a part of your body that has good feeling. It's possible with long-term diabetes that the nerves in your feet are no longer sensitive to heat and cold, and it's not good to check the water temperature with your feet. Check with the inside of your arm or maybe the back of your hand, but be sure it's somewhere on your on your body that has good feeling um, because you need to know that the, that water is not going to burn your feet. And I have known people who have burned their feet by using water that was too hot because they couldn't feel how hot it was. And of course, once you've burnt your feet, you can get blisters. And then that's an opening for infection. Um, any questions on that part before we leave uh, protecting your feet? Okay. So next Principle is very closely related, and that is keep your feet meticulously clean. You should wash your feet carefully either every day um, or every other day. Most of the materials say every day. But I don't know if anybody's, I don't know that anybody has ever researched if every other day is fine. And for people who have dry skin on their feet, I think if you wash every day, you're only going to dry your skin out. More. So I think every other day is good enough as long as you check your feet in between. Um, but you do want to wash very carefully. That means you're either in a bath or a shower. Or if you're not, if you're only if you're bathing less frequently because your skin is dry in the winter, which for many of us as we age, our skin gets drier in the winter. You know, so if you're if you're if your skin is dry in the winter and you only bathe maybe every three days, um, that's your choice. That's your right. But um, do wash your feet at least every other day, um, and then you can wash your feet in a small tub and put immerse your feet in the water or let the shower water run over your feet get some soap wash the tops of your feet the bottoms of the feet wash the heels very carefully the arch of the feet and wash carefully between the toes now this is where some of that between the toe stuff is important if you have some buildup of you know of flaked off skin between your toes as much as you're able to kind of wash out whatever's there do wash it and then dry your feet very carefully if you think you have a foot infection if you think you might have um, have any kind of you know any kind of thing going on between your toes like athlete's foot use a small hand towel towel dry your feet, and put that towel in the laundry right away. Because you don't want to get athlete's foot on somebody else or on another part of your body. And you can get athlete's foot on the other parts of your body that um, fold over and don't breathe well. And that's pretty uncomfortable. Um, So, you know, just put that towel, once you've dried it, put that towel right away in the laundry. Um, While you're washing your feet, just be really sure that all parts of all surfaces are washed and then that all parts of all surfaces are dried. And then as long as you've got your feet right there with nothing on the feet and you've got your hands right there, you want to check your feet regularly. And this is where I'm going to try to do some screen sharing. Okay, it's not letting me do it. Ah, there we go. Okay. No, it's not letting me. Oh, here we go. Okay. Okay, now um, right now this is the this is the sheet that I um, that I created for you with links on it, and I'm trying to follow one of the links. Okay, I hope this works. I'm going to start the video this um this tells you exactly how to do a foot examination using only your non-visual using all all your senses and and it's multi-sensory are you able to hear it no small problems on the feet there we go can you hear it
0: okay yes we can okay
2: to help find and address
6: small problems before they escalate. For people whose vision is unreliable, use of non-visual senses is essential. But even with good vision, the other senses can be helpful in evaluating the health of the feet. Here's how to perform a multi-sensory foot examination. First, use your sense of smell. After removing your shoes and socks, begin with your sense of smell. While feet generally do not have a pleasant smell, it is important to notice if the smell is exceptionally bad or unusual. For example, a foul smell could mean that you have an infection, even if there are no other signs of infection present. Next, use your sense of touch. Follow these steps to check your feet with your hands. Sit in a chair and lift a foot to your lap. If you have trouble doing that, you can put your foot on a stool, or you can stand and put your foot on a chair. Beginning with a large toe, use your fingers and thumbs to search your feet for any irregularities in texture or differences in the shape of your toes and feet compared to a previous examination. Feel the whole surface of the toe. Feel the sides, the top, and the bottom of the toe. Notice any roughness of the skin, calluses, blisters, cuts, swelling, or feelings of soreness as you press on the skin. Feel the surface of the toenail for any irregular shape or ridges. Run a fingernail along the edge of the toenail, the place where you cut the nail. To feel for any unusual roughness along the edge or just under the edge. Then feel the space between the large toe and the next toe. Continue feeling each toe in order. Feel the tongue, toe ends, and spaces between the toes. Move your end to the outside edge of the foot. The heel and the inside edge of the foot. Next, turn your hand over. The back of your hand is more sensitive to temperature. You can use it to find any spots that are unusually warm and might be infected. Feel the entire top and bottom surfaces of your foot and toes and the sides of your foot with the back of your hand. If your fingers are numb, You can probably still feel with the back of your hand and the inside of your forearm. Use these areas to feel for changes on the surface of your foot. Although you will not be able to feel the edges of your toes and between your toes, you will still be able to feel the top, sides, and bottom of your foot. Repeat this entire examination process with your other foot. About once a week, it's a good idea to have a sighted person check your feet as a backup. After you've checked your feet, always wash your hands thoroughly with soap and water to prevent spreading any germs from your feet to other parts of your body. If your foot inspection turns up anything unusual, such as the smell, irregular shape, roughness of the toenails, cuts, blisters, corns, or calluses. Call your podiatrist, your foot doctor, or your diabetes doctor right away while the problem is still small and easy to heal. Continue daily foot exams and regular checkups to support your overall health.
2: Right. Were you able to hear that well enough to learn from it? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes, we were, yeah. Anne. It was very good. It was a little okay. weird, but I know you're gonna share that link with uh well, we will share that link with our members after this presentation so they can listen to it on their own. Yeah.
2: We, now um, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get myself out of screen share. I-
1: I think I can stop that for you. Hang on, just
2: okay. A moment. Thanks, Allison. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. There we go. You go. Great. Great. So so that you know, it it is very simple. It it's almost self evident once you've heard it. What you need to do. Um. There are a few. P- Parts of this that I want to reemphasize that are important. Um, I did a research project where we had two groups of people. One group was given the standard instructions, which are: you are visually impaired, you have to have a sighted person look at your feet for you. The other was given the were given instructions in foot self examination. And we looked for two things. We looked for how often did people actually examine their feet? We know if we tell people, check your feet every day, there's not any population in the world that's actually going to do that, except for maybe (laughs) people with obsessive compulsive disorder. Okay, (laughs) And that's another problem. Um, but but we would like to see people doing it on a regularly enough basis that if something started happening on their feet that was unusual they would catch it and that um, if their foot hurt they would know how to get some useful information from the senses they have so that's what we were looking for it was actually the statistics on this were remarkable beyond what we imagined um where the people who were told to have somebody in their family look at their feet at best had their foot feet looked at once or twice a week and you know if you happen to injure your foot the day after but you don't have feeling on your foot that's a long time to go with something happening on your feet um by the way, I once knew a man whose feet were quite numb and um, his son dropped a Lego block in his shoes and he walked on a Lego block all day and did not know that it was embedded in his foot. And the next morning when he went to put on his socks, his wife started screaming because it was bleeding so much and he was completely unaware. So, you know, it's nice to be able to inspect your own feet. Um, and especially if your feet are numb, so that you know that that's really important. Um, and we found that while the people who were told to have somebody else look at their feet only did it very seldom, on the other hand, people who knew how to check their own feet built it into their routine either when they bathed their feet or when they were putting on their shoes and socks. And they were checking their feet. They were reporting to us that they were checking them three to four times a week because they just made it part of what they did. It doesn't take long. And you can make it part of what you do every day at some convenient time when your feet are bare anyway. Um, So that was part of what happened in my research project. You will find in the links that you receive, there's a video about the research project and about the results that we got. Um, The other thing we found is that people who checked their own feet were able to find problems and report problems quickly to the podiatrists who were collaborating with us um, on this research project. Uh, Pierre, you have a question. Your hand is up, Pierre. Did yes, you have a uh, question? Yeah, okay. I,
7: I want to ask uh, about trimming toenails. Uh, do, you, do you advise mm-hmm. that you have a podiatrist do it, or is there a way that we can do our own nails?
2: So what I think about nails is it's pretty dangerous to have cutters. Um, even people with plenty of eyesight often cut their own toenails once they've gotten thick. The longer you've had diabetes, the more likely it is you're going to have some thick toenails that are very hard to trim. What I suggest for people is get nail files or emery boards. And while you're doing something where you're maybe sitting and listening to something, kind of file away at your nails too. And that way you have some ability to show shorten your own nails in a way that's safe. Um, Does that make sense for you? Yes. Yeah. I do think that um, this is where I differ from some other diabetes care professionals. I think a pedicure from a pedicurist who is really meticulous about, about, um, about safety and sanitation um, is It can, can be a good way to get your toenails trimmed if you prefer not to go to the podiatrist. But if you have any other kind of foot problems, it's kind of helpful to go to a podiatrist and have that podiatrist just do that professional foot exam, um, you know, anyway. So you know, if you go for your toenails, the podiatrist is going to also make sure that they take a good, close look at your feet and make sure there's nothing going on that you would miss from doing a manual inspection. Um, so um, I I do you know the the licensing for the people who do pedicures. Uh, really stipulates that they know something about infection control and that they're very careful with your feet now i know you know like every other profession not everybody's as careful with their profession so you want to you want to talk with people about what they actually do and make sure that i have a
3: comment yeah go ahead mary no. And I'm so sorry. I did not mean to interrupt. I just meant when you that, were That's done. Okay.
2: Just, oh, okay. Just, okay. If all right. you're going to go to a pedicurist, just make sure that you're going to someone who is actually doing all the sanitation things. Go
3: ahead, Mary. Awesome. Okay. Um, you just had um, said to go ahead and, and remind you about the calluses during your talk. So I just want yes. to throw that in there. Thank you.
2: All right. So that's very closely related to cutting toenails. And um, here's what I have to say about calluses. I think if you have good feeling on your feet, you can go ahead and do a little bit of, you know, some kind of a, some kind of a friction on the calluses. <clears throat> Excuse me, to bring down the level some. But I'm very cautious about calluses. And the reason I'm cautious about calluses is I have seen many, many people who think that their calluses are okay, but they're actually a lot deeper than they think. And so if you have any problem at all with the nerves in your feet, I would never do any kind of, of you know, rubbing off of any of the calluses, and I would also not do any of the cutting my own nails um okay with the emery board because that won't hurt you um on shortening the nails but but on the on the calluses i would be very cautious i would rather not you know i would rather not do much but if your calluses are small and just beginning and you have some feeling you have good feeling on your feet i think it's okay to do a little bit of you know rubbing off the calluses. The other thing you can do is um, use a urea cream on your feet and that actually helps prevent calluses from building up. Urea cream is often more effective when other kinds of cream, when your skin is dry enough that other kinds of creams aren't working The urea cream actually often works and it helps debride the foot. So it helps actually kind of get that dead skin off of your foot in a way that, um, that it comes off because the cream soaks in and the skin kind of, you know, goops up. I mean, you get these little crumbs of, of skin on your feet. Well, you do need to wash your feet carefully when you're doing, using urea cream. And then you put it on after you've washed and while your feet are still damp. And that helps seal in the moisture. And then the urea in the urea cream helps to make sure that the dead skin is continually coming off. Um, The other thing is, if you continue, if you've tried that, you've tried all, you know, you've tried Vaseline Intensive Care and all the standard ones, and you've tried the urea cream, if this, the -the over-the-counter urea creams, if this is not working for you and you still have a lot of calluses and you also still have really dry skin, you need to talk with a podiatrist about what to do with that with that on your feet. Now, as far as your hands go, if you are using a cream on your skin, on your feet, you can use the same cream on your hands. And if it's helping to build it, To prevent the buildup of skin, dried skin and calluses on your feet and helping to prevent the cuticles from, you know, from getting too thick and then flaking off and then you have hangnails on your feet, it's going to work on your hands too. And so that's, that's kind of handy when you're... When you're putting the cream on your feet, you get it all over your hands and rub it on the backs and fronts of your hands and in the nail beds, and then you rub it on the backs and fronts of your feet and in the nail beds. You want to be very careful when you're putting lotion on your feet that you're not getting a wet buildup between your toes. You can lotion between the toes, but then make sure you wipe it out so you're not getting any buildup there. Um, Some of the materials say, do not put lotion between your toes. That's why. But, you know, if your skin is kind of dry in that area, you're going to want a lotion around there. So the main thing is make sure you don't get any buildup there. Okay. Does that answer somewhat about for you about calluses?
3: Thank you, Anne. Very much so. Thanks a lot.
2: Yeah. And if you're starting to get really thick calluses... That is a good reason to see a podiatrist and talk with a podiatrist. Maybe your shoes aren't fitting you really properly. And that's why you're getting some callus buildup there. And so you need to have a look at your shoes. You need to have a look at the product you're using. You you need to just, you, you need to kind of look at the whole big picture. Why are you getting those calluses? Because if your shoes fit really properly and you're wearing socks and everything is all right in there. You shouldn't be getting heavy buildup of
3: calluses. That's Um, probably why I, I, I get a lot of the summer shoes and they're not the greatest.
2: Yeah. I, I have, I have personally, it was kind of hard to give up nice looking shoes. Not that I mostly in my life was ever able to wear nice looking shoes because I have really oddball feet, but, but I was. You could wear nicer looking shoes than I can now. It's a little hard to give it up, but oh, it's so much nicer to not have problems on my feet. So,
3: oh, very good. Well, thank you very much.
2: Yeah, I focus on that, and and I just try to say, okay, I'm not going to think about how I'd rather wear nicer shoes.
1: And, um, and Teresa, is- I just wanted to let you know you have about ten minutes left. Hmm. Okay. The the hour, so we might want to try to wrap it up in the next five minutes.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. Athlete's foot cream. Go ahead and use the athlete's foot cream. If in a week your feet aren't any better, then go see your doctor. And if you don't have a podiatrist, get one. And um, it, it's a good. it's a good thing. The final thing is any kind of problem on your feet seek help while the problem is small many people think they're going to wait and see if the problem goes away on its own i would not wait anymore because if you have diabetes and you have a problem on your foot it is a problem that should be taken care of today and i see somebody's got their hand up from area code 201
4: Hi, yes, my name is Lisa. Um, I have a question
2: um, because I don't have diabetes, but I have problems with my feet and my AC1 is always good. My doctor says, oh, you never get diabetes, but I have numbness in my feet and I've been to other doctors and they say, you know, things are fine. They don't kind of take me seriously. Um, And it can can numbness in the toes. Well, the hands also, can it be a precursor to diabetes? And forgive me if it's a silly question. Um, It's not a silly question. And yes, it could be, but it isn't always. And so if your doctors are saying they don't think you have any tendency to diabetes, if your your A1C is pretty much in normal range and it's not in the pre-diabetes range, I wouldn't worry so much about diabetes, but you still need to take care of your feet as you would if you had diabetes and numbness in your feet, because you have numbness in your feet and your feet yeah. could develop a problem. You maybe won't have the slow healing that those of us with diabetes have, but you still don't want a problem on your foot that has to heal. So you need True. to you need True. to do some of these other things. Now, I know we're running short on time. So Peggy Ann, Sue and Shirley, I want to ask each of you if you can keep your question really quick. We've got three of you, and that may be all the time we have. So, um, Peggy Ann? Yes, I have a quick question. Um,
1: I wear a children's size shoe because I'm so um, short. Um, Do they make diabetic shoes for children?
4: Oh, probably
2: not. Actually, that's something I don't know much about. I definitely would go to a podiatrist and talk with the podiatrist about what are appropriate shoes for you.
1: Okay. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Because I really, that's something I actually don't know about. Um, I do get uh, a lot of people with diabetes. uh, Are you East side or West? Oh, well, you're not in Cleveland necessarily. (laughs) If there is a store in your area, that sells shoes that um, come in oddball sizes and everything. You might go to that store and see if they have something that's an extra depth shoe for people with small feet and diabetes. We have a store in Cleveland that I know sells a huge range of sizes from the tiniest to the largest. So then um, they can even get some special made shoes for people. So if you look for a place like that in your area, maybe it will. You know, you'll be able to find something. Okay. Thank okay. okay Sue. So.
6: Yes. At what point should you go to a at a podiatrist? I've never gone to one and I've, I've been a diabetic for about four years
2: and my feet seem to feel fine. But at what point should you get a baseline check? You know, um, so first of all, um, I think it wouldn't talk with your diabetes care provider. Do you have an endocrinologist, or is this uh, is this a general doctor who you who you see an internist? Uh, the internist,
1: the regular doctor.
2: Okay, um, it's it's not a bad idea to have a one time consultation with a podiatrist who can then be a resource to you if you do have problems in your feet okay okay it's not anything you need to rush to do you don't need to go out tomorrow and make that call but you know within the next several months if you can manage to set that up well I have do a doctor appointment in go July ahead. so I can ask him about it then yeah good good um many internists who are not diabetes specialists don't necessarily know about the role that a podiatrist can play in, as part of the diabetes team if there's not an immediate problem so you know if your doctor says oh i don't think you need to do that you might still make the appointment with the podiatrist if you can but if you need their referral and you're going to have to pay hundreds of dollars no don't so <laughs> okay. you know I I don't think it's a pressing concern. It's just something that's nice to do for you. Okay, Okay,
4: Shirley. Yes. Okay. Um, Please repeat the name of the cream that you suggested that could be used for both your feet and your hands.
2: Oh, urea cream.
4: Okay. Uh, Can you spell that, please?
2: U-R-E-A.
4: Okay. And And that's not a brand name, that's the
2: name of one of the ingredients.
4: Oh, okay, thank you.
2: Um, If you search urea cream on the internet, you'll see quite a few brands come up. You seldom see it on the shelf in a place like um, CVS or Walgreens. Um, But if you search it on the internet, you'll see quite a few brands. They come, you know, in different sizes and shapes. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah.
7: Okay. Nikki, um, you can get it at Costco. I'm, not, I'm sorry. not Costco, Amazon. They have different kinds. Some are organic and some aren't. And they also have a little thing that you can use. They, they have a little file that comes and there is to try it out the first time. There's one of them, which is organic, that includes the file for $22. So if you guys want to check that out, you can try it out and see if it works. And then you can do it If you have an account with Amazon, you can get it on subscribe and save, and they'll send it to you every once in a while. So there you have it. Thank you. Wonderful. I'm sorry. I had another meeting earlier, but I came in halfway through. And this is a wonderful, wonderful presentation. Thank you so much.
2: You're very welcome. Nikki, I haven't seen that particular one, but I do get my urea cream also from Amazon. Great. We'll take a look at it. You'll find it. So Yeah. Okay. We might have time for one more quick question, if somebody has one. Okay, Tom asked me to tell you about the peanut butter. So I, I knew a podiatrist who um, worked with a lot of my patients whose standard recommendation for moisturizing your feet if you didn't get a urea cream was to use cocoa butter. Cocoa butter is a great thing to use on your feet. It, it's very effective. It's very useful. And he told me this story about his patient. He told her to use cocoa butter and she her feet were very dry and cracked and everything. And he said, you know, the cocoa butter on your feet put your socks on before you go to bed at night so it kind of keeps it all in and you'll find after when you come back to see me in three months your feet are probably going to be really good well she did what she did come back in three months and her feet were great and he said oh i'm so glad you followed my advice and she said yes but my husband said if I get in bed one more time with peanut butter on my feet, he's gonna divorce me. <laughs>
7: <laughs> well this is Nikki. Can I, I add one thing about Amazon? Yes. Oh, um oh no, I
2: forgot uh, what uh, it was. Oh yeah. Can I oh, no, ask my ahead. question? Yes, yes, Jeanette,
4: you can. So you were talking about I mean we've talked a little bit about people with sensitive feet and very thin skin is urea cream a problem for moisturizing if you're somebody with very thin sensitive skin you may not
2: need it if you have thin sensitive skin unless you're growing calluses um or you know you have thick oh oh the the thing about the the thick the thick callus on the heel that that Cracks easily. That the urea, urea cream will help with that. But if you don't have calluses and your skin is thick, I would go with something lighter. Urea cream um, is really sort of a heavy cream, okay. um, and I don't think you need to use that necessarily. And you don't need to go to that extent. You know, it, it's an expense that you don't need to, to have. Um, so I would just go with a standard cream um, if your th- skin tends to be on the thin side. Okay. Um, Oh, this is Mickey.
7: I remember. (laughs) Go ahead.
2: Yeah. I was just going to let y'all know we're at the
7: top of the hour. We are. Yeah, Yeah, we are. This will just take a couple of seconds. Um, As far as peanut butter is concerned, um, if if you have diabetes and you need a snack in the evening, if you eat peanut butter on a piece of grain bread, it helps to prevent your sugar from spiking in the middle of the night. So that's something that I learned not too long ago. But also, uh, it's a good idea to wear socks when you put peanut butter on your feet and you go to bed. So thank you so much again, everybody. (laughs) Oh,
3: right.
1: Yeah. Yes, thank you very much, Anne, for coming and sharing your knowledge with us. This was great. I almost wish we had another good half hour to talk. Um, Yeah. Yeah,
2: I I love this. This was so enjoyable to talk with you all. You have very interesting questions, and um, you know, I mean, I like sharing what I did. That was, you know, it was an innovative piece of work. So I I enjoy it, and I'm glad you all appreciate it.
7: (laughs) Yes, Thank thank you very much.
2: Thank you.